This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 30 and we're going through Although we did have that little hiccup earlier in the week. And when I say the hiccup, it's not a hiccup. It's just talking about the the temple tax or the ransom money. But mainly we're talking about the things that God has set aside for for the priesthood, for the tabernacle, how they'd be built. We're just learning about our position, our place. One of the, This is an interesting and, and important aspect of the temple that I think is important symbolic, symbolically for the New Testament and for New Testament believers because it's the anointing oil. And he says in verse 22, he says, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and then a hen of olive oil. And you shall make these holy uh, uh, holy anointing oil and ointment compounding, compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And notice he says he, he wants them to anoint the tabernacle. He wants them to anoint the utensils, the lampstands, the altar of burnt offerings, and uh, all its utensils, the laver, meaning the basin that we talked about yesterday, he says you want, he wants them to know it. All of them, they're the most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister as priest. And he then he tells the children of Israel that this is a holy oil and it's supposed to be holy throughout the generations. And it shall be poured on man's flesh. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to the composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, and whoever puts any of it on any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from the people. And um, so, there. This all was important, and it was important to be consecrated and it's important to to set aside the people but I, I don't I, a lot of times I don't go just directly to the New Testament to deal with this I, I try to give you an insight and an understanding and then allow and then allude to the New Testament and allow you to see that but I think it's important that we go to the New Testament because the oil that is here is a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that is for New Testament saints, it's for believers. We are a holy priesthood. <clears throat> we have access to the throne room of heaven. The, when uh, Jesus breathed his last, the the veil was torn in the tabernacle in the temple that was in the temple. But the pictures are both the same. That veil that 
kept uh, anybody from being having access to the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom, meaning everyone has access to the Holy of Holies that is a believer. Now, notice this is not for unbelievers. It wasn't for the unbelievers. It wasn't for the people that were not a part of the Israel in the Old Testament. In the New Testament is not for unbelievers. Unbelievers are not anointed with the power of God. Uh, oftentimes, I see people saying this is a tangential issue. It's not the same, but it's a, it has a similar result. I hear people say, we're all made in the image of God. No, we're not. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and then that image was marred in the garden. And so nobody after them is made in the image of God until God gives them the new birth, and then they're back in the image and the likeness of God. That which died in the garden is dead until God gives the new birth and makes you back the way you originally were, until he breathes into you the breath of life and gives you a new spirit, until you're born of spirit, as he said to Nicodemus in, in John until you're born of spirit, uh, you're not in the image of God. You're not. And if you're in the New Testament, not everybody has an anointing from God. Only Now listen to me. It's not only pastors. It's only believers. Believers have an anointing from God. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you have an anointing from God? And we know that we have an, we have an anointing. We have we are anointed with this oil. We are set apart for holy service. Every believer has a holy service, a holy gifting, a holy calling to be acting in, to be serving God with, to be glorifying Him with, be walking by faith in it. And so every believer has it. And so many times I've heard people use that to make themselves better or more than somebody else. I have the anointing of God. Yeah, you do. And I, I'd say to that person, you absolutely do. But so do I. And so do everybody else you're talking to here that's born again, that everybody that's a believer has an anointing from God. That's why Paul would say, do you not know that you have anointing from God? You do. You've got an anointing from God. And so what, what, for what purpose? The best way for us to sometimes do that is just to go to the New Testament and look and see how anointing oil, or oil is used. And it's really used rel relatively sparingly in the New Testament. Jesus uses it pretty heavy, and it's used in contact with Jesus pretty heavy. The first time it's used is in Matthew. and Matthew, Jesus gives us the parable of the ten virgins. And what does some of the virgins have, and what do some of the virgins not have? Some of the virgins have the oil for their lamps, meaning they have the ability to be the light to the world. And so they have that oil. Some of the virgins don't have the oil. Five do, five don't. Five use their oil to be that light. That's the whole purpose of having that lamp is to be the oil, the light of the world. Five of them do, five of them don't. So that's a picture of believers having Remember, we're the bride of Christ. Each one of us is the bride of Christ. Uh, listen, if you if it's a little bit uncomfortable for a woman to be the son of God, then it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to be the bride of Christ. But we are. All these things are pictures. Doesn't mean that we're gender fluid. All this means we they're pictures scripturally. Okay, they're pictures scripturally of how we relate to God, and they're beautiful pictures. Me being the bride of Christ is a beautiful picture. If you're a female, you being the son of God is a beautiful picture. And those understandings are are powerful and great. 
And so we are the virgins with the lamps, and, and God wants to fill us with his oil, with the power of his oil. And so you see that in Matthew chapter 25, that picture. And then and then in Mark, Mark gives us just clear understanding that they literally used oil to cast out demons. And they didn't use oil to cast out demons, but as they were casting out demons, they were healing the sick, and they anointed them with oil, and they healed them. So you have a picture of God using this anointing oil as a power for healing. And, and that's tied into James chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. If any of you are sick, let him call on the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith shall raise him up, for the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I love that. I love that passage. And it, it, it is a, a powerful understanding that we are, that God's anointing brings about peace. It brings about light. It brings about power. And it brings about healing. He says, so we, and then verse, and then in Luke chapter 10, we see that they, they used oil as healing again. And then, and then we see in uh, Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 1, 9, you love, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, the God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And the anointing that we have from God is when we walk in faith and when we walk in righteousness, remember righteousness comes by faith. We've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. He says, and because we've done that, what does he give us? He gives us the oil of gladness. And not only the oil of gladness for us, but he says he gives it for our companions. And that's a, that is a beautiful understanding. It's a quote from Psalms, but Hebrews starts out with that, that as Hebrews begins to speak, to explain the Old Testament in light of Jesus Christ, he tells us that when we walk by faith and walk in righteousness and love righteousness, he gives us the oil of gladness. So the anointing of God is to bring about uh, gladness and joy in our hearts. And then Jesus, I skipped over, Jesus being anointed in Bethany for his burial, and that was a oil that had perfume in it which is a direct correlation with the oil that we see in Exodus chapter 30. It is a picture of God's anointing and preparation for his work, for his finished work on the cross. You say, well, that's anointing for death. No, it's not anointing for death. It was anointing to prepare his body to go through the crucifixion, the grave, and the resurrection. It is anointing so that you can do God's will for your life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He did the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but your will, Father. What he's saying is, I'm going to do your will. And when he was anointed in Bethany, he told them, don't get on to this woman for anointing me. She has done a good thing for me. She has prepared my body uh, for a burial. She's prepared my body for the finished and the ultimate work uh, of man in the world. And you go, the ultimate work of man? Yeah, because Jesus was a man when he went to the cross. It's, an it's the ultimate work of God through humanity, more specifically through the man who is God himself, Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we could easily see that the anointing oil has, has power for it, it. It has a purpose for healing. It has a purpose for joy. It has a purpose for light. I, I hope you be, you're beginning to, to see this. And, and by the way, 
it's something that God does not does not allow to be judged in Revelation. God judges the produce of the earth. He begins to cut off the food supply in the world, and he attacks the wheat and the barley. But he says, do not touch the wine or the oil. And remember, wine's the goodness of God, oil's the power of God, and the goodness of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when, you're, when he says, I'm going to pour out my wrath, on the earth and I'm going to cut off the I'm going to cut off the food supply I'm going to begin to bring about my end to the earth what does he not touch he told the angels don't touch the wine and the oil why because I don't want the goodness of who I am I don't want the power of my presence uh, to be touched and that's the picture of this. And so when we talk about anointing oil, that's why on Sunday mornings when some people come to the altar, we do anoint them, especially when they come forward for healing and when they come forward for physical issues that they have, we anoint them. Why? Because the Bible says it. James gives a clear instruction. That's the brother of Jesus. He gives his, in his, in his epistle, he tells us that if you're sick, Call on the elders of the church, and the prayer and faith shall raise them up, for the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We're in the business of anointing believers. It's not it's not only just for the priest in the as, as in the Old Testament, because we're all priests. It is for all believers. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is for you. And you need to seek out and how to seek out how to operate in that. So many believers do a couple of things. They either out of just out of just laziness, unwillingness to search out God. They never really find what it means to walk with God. And then other believers don't want to do it out of fear or don't want to do it because they might not do it well. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to walk in the anointing of God, let me tell you the first and very most important thing you need to understand. You're never going to do it really well. Uh, uh, I heard a, an elder last night say, we as Christians do Christianity badly, and we do. And uh, there's no doubt about it. That's absolutely the truth. We don't do it very well. We're, as far as if we were going to relate it to painting, we're, we're definitely not painting masterpieces as believers. We're more painting the uh, pictures that you put up on, on the refrigerator because the little three-year-old brought it to you. And uh, oftentimes you can't even really tell what it is that they've drawn, but they want you to be proud of it. And God's proud of us trying to operate in his power. God's proud of us trying to operate in his anointing. God's proud of us for trying to be light to the world that we're supposed to be. And he uses us for those purposes. We don't do it really well. We don't do it really well at all. And that's why we're not in charge of the outcome. He's in charge of the outcome. If we were to be in charge of the outcome based off the quality of the work we did for his kingdom, there would really not usually ever be much of an outcome. But that's not the case. That's not how it works. God wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to walk in our anointing. He wants us to use our anointing. <clears throat> and he comes along and brings the increase, brings the harvest, brings the best that comes from that. That's how it works. That's how his kingdom operates. And if, you're, if you think that you're supposed to do something really well in order for God to be able to serve God, you're not. What you need to do is start doing what you were called to do. You need to start operating in your anointing. And it's going to be bring gladness and joy, and it's going to bring healing and hope, and it's going to bring power and uh, perseverance, and it's going to bring light uh, to the world that we live in. And you're not going to do it well. In fact, sometimes you're going to do it really poorly. And even in those situations, even in that case, God still uses it powerfully to build his kingdom because you're his child. 
and uh, you're important to him. And he wants you to experience the fullness of who he is, even if you don't do it really well. He wants you to know it, so he's going to he's going to supercharge it when you start using it. He's gonna he's gonna powerfully move among us, even though we don't do it. We just don't do it well. I pray that you'll begin to open your heart and your mind and begin to take the opportunity to do things well. I pray that you'll see what God has done and for you, and that you will begin to walk in in faith and walk in righteousness so that you might experience the power that he has for you. I expect that's going to be the case. You wouldn't be seeking it out in this form if you weren't. And so I pray that it'll be available to you each and every day as you walk through. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.